What's up, everybody? Welcome to the ATL Sports HQ Live Show, Episode 8, the show for the fans, by the fans. This is our Christmas edition today. We'll have a little bit of you know, fun, and at the end, we'll have some uh, some difficult Christmas questions for all of us. Uh, I'm Bowling Bob. You can find me all over social media at Bowling Bob. I'm Phil Beasley. You can find me at underscore ATL Phil, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Derek Clemens. You can find me on Twitter at D Clemens. Sounds good. Where you can follow the site at atlsportshq.com and atlsportshq on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Also, the show can be found now on all major podcast sites, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere that you can find any kind of podcast. You'll find us. Just search ATL Sports HQ. You are interested in writing for the site. We are actively recruiting. So just shoot over a message to me at Bowling Bob or to Phil at underscore ATO Phil. Let us know that you're interested in writing and we'll get you set up. Let's get right into it today. First topic, Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of big stories going on this week with them. Justin Fields has put himself in the transfer portal and can now be contacted by other schools regarding a transfer. Is this a good or bad thing if the program does lose Justin Fields, Derek? Oh, this is a terrible thing. And, it, I mean, it sucked uh, seeing this news this week. And just, I think, in my opinion, I think Justin Fields has the ability to be one of the most talented quarterbacks in a long time in college football. But, I mean, from he's been nothing but great the last two years. He's taken us to a national championship. And then to, I mean, we should have won that game. And then we also should have been in the playoffs again this year. So, I mean, it's terrible news, but it's, it's just how the game goes. He needs, and it's great. It's great for him. I mean, it's the right thing for him to do because he wants to play immediately and show off the talent that he has. So, I mean, I'm glad I'm happy for him and I hope he goes somewhere well where he can uh, provide for their team and help them win later on. What do you think, Phil, man? Is it a good or a bad thing if he leaves? Yeah, at the end of the day, for the program as a whole, you got to consider it a good thing because what that's telling you is you're really – you're getting so many talented people come into the University of Georgia that you don't even have space for them. This will be two five-star quarterbacks in two years to transfer out. What? How many programs can say that? Yeah, that's amazing, you know. The fact that, uh, you know, I, I'm going to spin it the exact opposite way as to where it's almost a hindrance for Georgia to have two five-star quarterbacks going away because the problem with, to me, with Justin Fields potentially transferring, most likely transferring, is that he's good enough to where he's going to step into another major program who Georgia could then face later on. I mean, it's not like we're losing – you know, we're going to lose Justin Fields to a, a Virginia or, you know, a, a lower, lower tier school and to where we're probably never going to see him. It seems that to me that um, it looks like it's going to be between Oklahoma and Ohio State. And those are both going to be two teams that most likely you're going to run into if you're making a run for the national championship. So that's why I think it's a bad thing for the program for him. Him personally, it's a great thing because again, just or Jake Fromm has he has shown no 
reason why he shouldn't be the quarterback for uh, Georgia. So as long as he was staying in the program, it didn't make any sense for Justin Fields to just sit there. I mean, I think he realized he wasn't going to be starting. Yeah, they, they yeah. should they should have redshirted them. I don't know who's in charge of that decision making, but that that was definitely a blunder. Because if you would have redshirted him, let's say Jake Fromm has a great year this coming year uh, and decides to go to the NFL draft. Uh, Justin would still have three years left of eligibility. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, especially if we would have redshirted him. But also, I still think there's a possibility that he will stay if um, he's not going to be eligible to play next year. So he might wait it out and see if uh, Jake Fromm goes uh, to the draft after next yeah. season. To answer the redshirt question, though, um, I think that they they may have made a smart decision by not redshirting him because you they did get a chance to see what what he could bring to the offense in small spurts. You always want to get see what because what if he was better than Jake Fromm, and what if you know what if just like Tua in Alabama, you decide that you're ready to make a change, but like Jake Fromm just never did anything to to lose his you know stranglehold on the on, on the quarterback job. I think into this um, transferring and having to wait out a year, it looks like from what I've been reading and different sources have been reporting it that he's going to go with the racial thing to get out of this, to get out of waiting the year. Um, I don't know if you guys, you know, the listeners out there are, are familiar with what happened was uh, a Georgia baseball player at one of the games um, set a racial epitaph to him. And that baseball player was removed from the Georgia program. And uh, I believe he was expelled from school too. But um, he, uh, what, what it does is it allows Justin Fields to now go to the NCAA and say, hey, look, they set an environment here that, that I don't feel comfortable in being anymore. And most likely he's going to win. I, I can't um, – the NCAA has been really lenient – about uh, transfers lately. So I think that if he presents that to the NCAA, he's got a good chance. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to wait this one out and see. Um, it's not official yet. Um, some, you know, being in the transfer portal to me is probably 60, means 60, 40 that he is going to transfer. Um, I do think he'll play in the bowl game. So um, it's going to, the decision will be made after the bowl game. It, it, I think it'd be kind of dumb for him not to play in the bowl game. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure he confirmed that he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, would, it would just make any sense. Hopefully he gets a little bit of a chance, you know, to show off uh-huh. a little more than he had been. But if, but if if you were Kirby, if you knew that he was wanting to transfer, would you let him see the light of day? I I wouldn't. Today, if he's thinking about it, you might as well do right by the kid. And Or or maybe you play him all four quarters, let let Jake Fromm rest so he doesn't get have a chance of getting hurt, and then send a guy out there on the field that – no, you know, is going to transfer to a major college. So, but my second question about this is, did we essentially just trade Justin Fields to Ohio State for Juwan Mathis, who, other than being one star less than Justin Fields, is essentially the same exact quarterback, dual threat? Um, he flipped from Ohio State to Georgia. Phil, you know, do you think we just traded? Yeah, that's what it seems like because I couldn't see him wanting to come if he thinks Justin Fields is going to stay. Because I mean, shoot, what what are we doing here? Are we we're going to run three quarterbacks out there, run some wildcat offense or something? Yeah, Derek, do you think that was a basically just a trade? 
Yeah, that's what it seems like, and I think I think it just goes to show, goes to show recruiting because in short notice he flipped the switch and found another quarterback that can be a part of the future for Georgia football. Yeah, I think uh, I think Dwan Dwan Mathis got the. Uh, I don't know if it's Dwan or Dwayne. I I, I really haven't looked, but it may be Dwayne. But he, um, I think that he pretty much was told by people that. Fields was going to Ohio State, and he could see the writing on the wall just like Fields could with Fromm and realize that he's not starting over Fields if Fields transfers. So, um, and uh, he, you know, he he has essentially the same shot that Justin Fields had here in Georgia, but it'd be a good pickup for Kirby because, boy, all of a sudden you're running thin at the quarterback position. So, um, you know, making getting commitments in the quarterback position was, uh, um, was a good get for them, but uh, we're losing Fields and Jake Eason. You know, this is two, we're talking two five-star quarterbacks here. Is that going to come back to bite Georgia in the end, Derek? I I think Fields. I think Fields is going to really actually end up hurting a lot because I think he has the ability to win a Heisman Trophy at mm-hmm. some point, depending on where he goes. I think the Jacob Eason thing. I think he's going to be well for Washington. But will we ever play him or will we ever have a chance? Like, well, I don't think he'll take them to the next level to compete in the national championship or anything like that. So I don't think it will be a big loss. But, I mean, if Jake Fromm continues to play like he has been, I mean, I really – I guess it's not that big of a loss. Yeah, I want to I wanna throw this out to, uh, to the YouTube chat if you guys are out there. Um, if you guys – Guys, what do you think? Do you, do you guys out there think Fields and Jake Eason's going to come back to to haunt uh, Georgia in the end? But we'll throw it to Phil for now while we hopefully get some answers. So, <laughs> Phil, what do you think, man? Is that going to come back to haunt him? Yeah, I know where I stand with this. I don't think Eason will because, like like y'all said, I don't think we'll play Washington. But um, <laughs> Fields is going to go to Georgia Tech, and he's going to slice UGA up next November. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, he can have that revenge factor. But here's where I'm going to disagree with you guys. Because Jake Eason almost has the easier path to get to the, you know, the final four. Because Washington, um, it will come in next year as the favorites in the Pac-12. Pac-12 obviously is a, a weaker conference. So um, him going back home and playing in front of his crowd, I think he is – you know, where he's comfortable, he's no longer in a pressure situation playing at SEC. Um, and so he that's where I think he could come back to haunt him. Uh, Justin, I, I, Fields, Justin Fields is going to come back to haunt them. This is not a could. He is going to come back to haunt them. I said, I said all year this year that I thought next year – is when Georgia was going to take the step to national championship. And that was based off my thought that Justin Fields would take that job away from Jay Fromm. I think he is an elite quarterback. Um, he's shown, he's shown uh, spurts on the field of, of what he can do. And he's just exciting, you know? So I, I think he is going to come back to haunt us, but, but Jake Easton could, you know, again, he, he may sneak in. You could very well see a four, one Washington, Georgia matchup. So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to to see, but you know, you know, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, that's the great thing about the NCAA is you just truly never know. So, but uh, you know, in tune with our Christmas theme, 
What is your Christmas wish for Georgia, Phil? For UGA or the state of Georgia? Oh, for UGA. Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, for them to be decent, but for Georgia Tech to be better. <laughs> <laughs> what is your Christmas wish for Georgia, Derek? Uh, my Christmas wish is that Nick Saban retires next year. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe he takes a pro job next year and just like he doesn't want to do the college the college life anymore. But you know, my Christmas wish for Georgia is um I, I would like to see them uh beat Texas for sure. But uh um you know I, I wanna see them win the SEC championship next year. And um, you know, a dom or show show some kind of you know competitive spirit against Alabama, and in that in that ring, I mean, Alabama's they're just you know turning into well, really turning into, but you know they're such a juggernaut that I'm ready for someone to knock them off the perch at top. So, so that I guess that would be my Christmas wish for for Georgia, but. Uh, now we'll have to wait and see. This is an interesting one. I think we'll, you know, we'll definitely be talking about this the next few weeks as this progresses off, you know, with, with Justin Fields and then, um, you know, learning a little bit more about these early signees that we got um, and then uh, the full class, seeing where we rank, we rank for, you know, who we bring in for a full class. So the great thing about it is, you know, there was a couple of flips from Alabama to Georgia, which is always great when you're taking guys away from, from Nick Saban, that says a lot about Kirby's recruiting. So, you know, it's gonna be uh, gonna be interesting next month or so for Georgia. Like I said, we'll definitely be following along with that. But let's get into the Atlanta Falcons, man. We haven't had nothing good to say about them for a while, so this is like a new territory for us. Uh, Falcons destroyed the lowly Arizona Cardinals, one of the worst teams in the league, uh, forty to fourteen in the final home game. But the .0001 chance of playoffs is now zero. One of the 14 things that could have happened to get them out of playoffs did happen. I think it was a Minnesota win or something like yeah. that. But, yeah, it, it was one of 14 things that had to happen, and it did. But uh, why were the Falcons able to be successful this week, Derek? Um, because they were playing the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> and, and that's that's the main reason. But, I mean, it just – it seemed like they played a complete game. I mean, the defense stepped up and created turnovers. The pass rush was excellent again following the uh, Green Bay game. And, I, I mean, Julio, he found his way in the first half. Matt, Matt Ryan played pretty well, and it just – everything seemed to come together, and they seemed to have a solid outing from everyone. But I think the biggest part of it is obviously because we played the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, what, why do you think they were successful, Phil? Yeah, it helps when you play the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league. I guess we didn't get the pleasure of playing Oakland this year. But, uh, yeah, it was it was much like the Washington game. You know, all three facets of the game showed up. Offense was there. Special teams were there. Defense was there. They created turnovers. You know, Julio was Julio. Matt was Matt. You know, I guess, hey, two out of 14, that's, uh, that's about one out of seven. That's about 13%. So they played good 13% of the season. Well, that's better than zero, I guess, if we're looking for positives that hard. But, you know, these last three games, you know, it, like the NBA, there's people now claiming, well, now that we want you to lose, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, calm down, calm down. You got to build some momentum coming into next year. 
football, the season is so short. Every game is so important. You got to ride that wave a little bit. You can't just mail it in like in the NBA. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with both of you. Um, you know, number one for me is it is the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they are flat horrible. Josh Rosen, rookie quarterback, really has been flustered all year long. So, um, but the pass rush was great. I mean, uh, the, this is the second week in a row that it, it looked good. But, you know, Derek, why do you, why, why are they now going with a pass rush in week 14 and 15? Well, I mean, where, where was this one through one through 13? It's, I mean, it's been the last two games. That's it, too. It's that's crazy. I don't understand. I mean, is it the scheme or what? Are the players just finally starting to be better now? Or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Phil. I mean, what do you think? Do you think someone had a chat with the defensive coordinator about how he wasn't going to have a job, so he thought he might uh, audition himself for other, uh, yeah, other? Uh, Definitely think it's a little too, too little, too late right now to save his job. So. I just think, you know, all season long we saw the injuries. I think it's people now finally getting comfortable within their increased production role. So it was just – it was bound to happen. Unfortunately, it's too late. But like I said, building on for next year. I guess, yeah. I guess another thing uh, – I mean, we played the Packers who had a hurt offensive line, and then we played the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, it's not that impressive to me. But even even in, in we played other teams that have had weak weak offensive lines, and we still haven't put together you know games like that. Um, again, I just there there was zero pass rush. We went from zero pass rush to now it's like every other play is a pass rush. But I, real quick, I wanted to jump back in. I'm, I'm on YouTube and uh, Dougie Fresh. He's he's in here pretty much every week. He said uh, he said, oh god, that's even worse. Or he said. Uh, that would be the most Georgia sports thing ever for Fields to come back and beat the Bulldogs in a national championship. So, but one one thing I want to throw out this about the Falcons. Uh, I heard a rumor this week that they're interested in Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. Let me tell you guys, as someone that has seen a lot of Daryl Bevel, Falcons fans pray. Just pray that Daryl Bevel stays far, far away from Matt Ryan and far, far away from that offense. I, I, I would almost say I'd rather have Steve Sarkeesian than Daryl Bevel. Bevel was horrible. He, we were ready for him to be fired after about the third year in Seattle. Finally, they did last year, and it's just, you know, it's, it's done wonders. So, But that's the name I'm hearing is the leading guy for – be the OC if they do get rid of Sarkeesian. So you're going to show no improvement in the offensive spot. But, um, you know, so the fact that they're talking about Sarkeesian being gone too leads me to believe that him and Matt don't have the best relationship either. But uh, but now that the Falcons are officially eliminated, is it all about the draft positioning, Phil? You kind of answered this one a little bit, but, uh, you know, go into detail a little bit. I'm not even a big NBA tank guy. And tanking in the NFL is frowned upon 25 to 30 times more than it is in the, in the NBA. So you just, no, nah, you got to go out and try to win these games. Yeah, I'd say, you know, it's another, to me, it's another, I think, easy win. No Cam Newton. So, you know, you're the, uh, 
you know, so you're not going to worry about Cam. You know, there seems to be uh, a lot of uh, injuries on the um, on the uh, Panther side. So, but uh, um, what do you think? Do you think they um, need to go for draft positioning or wins, Derek? I mean, you go for wins no matter what. There's no point. I mean, there's no point in taking for what a few spots to jump up a sp spots. I mean, it's always about winning. In my book, yeah, they um to me this draft for the positions that they need, you could easily find a guy in the first first I think first ten picks. So um they're they're already in prime prime draft spots to me. So in the NFL, you can easily easily draft a bust uh, in the in the first round, or you can easily draft a star. In a later round, it's not like the NBA where you can almost gradually see the talent decrease. NFL is a lot of luck. So if you want us to lose these last two games to get two spots higher, there's really no difference. This, to me, is the perfect draft, I think, for the Falcons to be trading down in to acquire more more picks, get depth, and get depth on the defense, depth on the offense, uh, but we all know that uh, you know that they don't trade down. You know, they, if they anything, they'll they'll waste picks, and you know, especially find a guy that they really love. So you know, Dimitrov has never shown never shown a you know an inkling to want to gather more picks. He'll just trade them all for two guys that he wants, and that's why you run into the depth problem. But but uh, what's uh, your Christmas wish for the Falcons, Derek? Um. I guess finish off the season strong, and I mean, to not to not draft another Vic Beasley and Duke Riley. Mm -hmm. What's your Christmas wish for the Falcons, Phil? Um, to have a healthy season next season, and to not have the Saints win in our stadium. I said a Christmas wish, not a Christmas miracle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My Christmas wish for the Falcons is that. Um, if the Saints do make the Super Bowl, I want the Falcons to sit there and I want them, I want Dan Quinn to make them sit on, sit right on the front row on the 50 yard line and watch another team play on your home field in the Super Bowl. And side club, get it ingrained in your head to never let that kind of thing happen ever again on your field. You know, this, you know, that. The training, they get to use the training facility. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I no, I mean, but really for them, my Christmas wish for them is that they put together a solid offensive line for Matt Ryan and just a solid all around team so that he can get this. You know, I, I really would like to see him get a ring just so he can get the respect that he deserves because without one, he never will. So um, you know, as much as long as my Seahawks are eliminated, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Ryan get a ring. Um, you know, so again, it's just for someone that's so disrespected as he is, it, it, I think that's what it's going to take for him to get any kind of respect outside of outside of Atlanta. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, there we all know it's been a poor season. Everybody's looking forward to next season, but uh, still got a couple more games to go. So finish off strong and then um, draft well. That's going to be the big thing for them. So, But now we're going to get into some Atlanta Hawks. Oh, uh, 
The Hawks week since our last podcast, they did lose to the Celtics 129-108, which uh, you know, was a was an okay game. I mean, it wasn't their best, but I mean, they they stayed pretty much competitive. They had a, a couple of, a couple of bad quarters and a couple of really good ones. And then they lost to Brooklyn 144-127, same thing except it was the first really the first quarter just set the set the tone for that. And then a big win over the Wizards 118-110. Um, I guess that would have been, I said last night in, the, in our lab, it would have been Tuesday night. Tuesday night's game against the Wizards, the best we have played all season long so far, Phil? Uh, I think it was the, well, no, nah, no, I can't, because we had 24 turnovers. So I want to talk about that. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how we won a game with 24 turnovers. Washington needs to be absolutely ashamed of themselves. They they are what a what a what a crapshoot they are. But but we played really good. Uh, some really good games from John Collins, Trey Young, Torian. I'm Torian. Uh, not Torian Prince. Uh, yeah, Torian. Yeah, he played well on the bench, not doing nothing. <laughs> That's a good spot for him. We like that spot. There on his with his suit. But uh, really good game all around. If you cut out the turnovers, that really could have been a blowout. Uh huh. How many how many free throws were in that game? I forget. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was, it was over seventy, I believe. It the game went the game went to ten thirty at night because there was so many free throws. It, it felt like we were in a marathon. It it was ridiculous, and early on, that's what was keeping Washington in the game because uh-huh. all the fouls were on us. And then the second half, it was like flip, and you saw Washington get a little frustrated at times and a few technical fouls leaving because. Every trip down the floor, each way, it was a foul. It was you really you don't like to see that happen. You don't want to see the refs take control of the game. It almost felt like we were there to see the refs. And I don't want to see. I want to see the refs. I want to see the players play. Phil and I, we were both at the game, and I was texting him. I was like, clearly, we're not playing by playground rules today. So, <laughs> but Derek, man, do you think that this the Wizards game was the best we have played all season long? I wouldn't say it's the best game, but I think we did have our best stretch in that. Uh, I think it was a, about six-minute mark of the fourth quarter where it just seemed like we couldn't miss a shot when uh, Kevin Herter was hitting all his threes. <laughs> you said what? You said you're about to take my answer from me. Keep going. I'm thinking the same okay. exact thing. Yeah, that stretch. Um, Kevin Herter, he was I mean, he was hitting all his shots, and Trey Young was finding – or not Trey Young – Jeremy Lin was finding his groove. What he scored twelve or fourteen in the one yeah. of the quarters alone, and then I mean, it just seemed like they found a little stretch where they couldn't miss a shot, and they played great uh, team basketball. But I wouldn't say it was the best game in the season. Like Phil said, I mean, all the turnovers, all the fouls, it was just it kind of got annoying to watch at some points. One bad thing about being the third person that talks in this group is you guys always say what I want to say before we get to me, but. But I don't think it was the best game, absolutely the best fourth quarter. That stress that you were talking about was unbelievable. I mean, the even the atmosphere in the arena at that, you just couldn't – I mean, we just knew everything was going in the basket at that point. Um, you know, what, the thing for me in that Wizards game, and obviously the turnovers, but I'm okay. I'm okay with turnovers in, you know – when you're trying to be playmakers, I mean, I just, I, I'm okay with that. What I don't like there, there was a few um, that Trey had that I 
that I kind of rolled my eyes at a little bit. His was his was the most that um, where I was kind of like, "Oof, what'd you do that for?" But the problem was, I, I you know I really started watching once he um, once he started getting into a little bit of a turnover groove was that he was always one step ahead of everybody, and so his passes were one essentially one step ahead, and they would always go right off a fingertip, and they so. All the turnovers that he had that I watched went ahead of the player instead of like passing it behind. Um, and then I, again, there was uh, um, a lot of the turnovers were iffy at best, but because the rest were calling such a tight game, you know that 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 contributed to some of it as well. But yeah, that that four quarter stretch, I thought um, Kevin Herter was was great. Um, the guy that that they called up. For um, when uh, uh, Torian got hurt, uh, we got him from Oklahoma City. What's his name, Phil? Uh, Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. He he kind of yeah, brought uh, Daniel up. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. He he brought some energy out there. He played he played quite a bit, um, quite a bit in that game as well. Um, but how I, I think we had what six guys in double figures. So. Uh, all around, all around play that might have been, you know, our best game for spreading, spreading the ball around and gathering offense. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that four quarter, and you know, I'm always down to see a win. So yeah. definitely shout out, shout out to the Hawks for playing a good game like that, showing what we can do. Let's see if they can put together some consistency mm -hmm. and come out with some good energy in New York City tomorrow. Well, you're starting to see guys that weren't contributing as much at the beginning starting to finally put it together. We'll get to a few of these as we come down the line here, but uh, let's start with Kevin Herter. He has probably been the most improved Hawks player over the last three weeks. What has he done to elevate his game, Derek? Uh, it just it seems like he's starting to get comfortable. I mean, he's starting to find his groove and find his spot on the court and his role as the player on the starting uh, lineup. And, I mean, he's knocking down shots at a more consistent rate. I mean, I don't think he was as consistent uh, percentage-wise, but it just seems like he's starting to do that. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Phil? You think that he's – I mean, do you think he's been the most improved over three weeks? Uh, for sure, yeah. Uh, missing the summer definitely cost him early on. Early on, I was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. Because if you, if you just look at him, he don't look like an NBA player. He was yeah. a random guy, but he's really starting. The game is starting to slow down for him. He's starting to have a good feel for the game. And, man, he is a shooter. But he's not just a shooter. He is a playmaker. He can rebound. He can hold his own on defense. He could potentially grow into a very serviceable two-way player. Um, I mean, hopefully more than serviceable. But at the very least, he could be our two-guard of the future. So yeah. It's definitely good to see. Uh, the 19th pick has been very good to us, so maybe maybe our Mavericks pick will fall to 19th. Now, hopefully, yeah, I don't think it'll fall that far, but that's a whole another discussion we can have. But um, you know, we we talked about you know you and I have talked about where we thought that he would be um, that he would have benefited from a trip to the G League to improve his game a little bit, but Lloyd Pierce has really really shown great patience for a, a guy that's got a rebuilding team. And, you know, again, I, I've mentioned before that, you know, having him go through it with Philly, you know, has definitely helped along the side. But um, he, what what Herter has shown to me is that the things that I love the most about him in Maryland, A, 
the ability to rebound, um, get up, get up on the boards, create, create his shots. Um, he run, he's really, really good running the screen. Um, and so, uh, I, I noticed that a lot on the game on Tuesday and then he's starting, starting to bury threes, not just, you know, make them, but I, he switched a couple that were just pretty and they were, you know, he was missing those at the early on in the year. Yeah. And also I think if, uh, if coach Bud, now this is why we got Lloyd Pierce. If coach Bud was still our coach, I don't think Kevin Herter or Amari Spellman would have cracked the rotation yet. No, he was, uh, you know, in fact, uh, Lloyd Pierce has given him more minutes to get him through the struggles, which is very stunning. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, that's, that's what's, that's, you know, we, we can sit here and we can go, Oh, he's just, it's just not working out. Send him to the G league, send him to the G league. Well, Lloyd Pierce in essence is kind of treating it like the G league, you know, let's, let's get these guys work through their struggles. It doesn't make any sense to, if those guys are struggling to put out, you know, um, uh, you know, put out our veterans, that's not doing us any good. You know, we're not, we don't need the vets out there playing, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes. We're not winning more than best case scenario. We're not winning more than 25, 30 games. Uh, really, I don't expect us to win more than like 18 to 22. But yeah. That's, this is why, this is why we decided to make the move that we made with bringing in Lloyd Pierce instead of uh, Mike Boone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, again, it was, uh, you know, it was a move that was a, the coaching move was just one that had to be made. Um, and so again, Budenholder wanted no part of a no part of a rebuild. So you get a guy in here that you know can be patient with it. Um, that's a, a de- good developer. Um, and so uh, again, I, I'm like I agree with you. Where I want to see consistency. I don't want to just see this one good game and then next game we get blown out in a quarter again. And, I don't want to see us get down 28-10 in the first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's again. If we we could win, we could win as you know as many games as we want. If we don't have that one quarter where you know we're outscored by 20. So, but uh, yeah, I think we should ask uh, Derek what he thinks about this. Don't shouldn't we? <laughs> He's having some technical difficulties. He'll be back with us in a few. So you're stuck with us too for a little bit, but. We'll be sure to ask him all these important questions when he gets back. So, <laughs> but uh, there's rumors of Jeremy Lin being on the trade block. How amazing is it that in a month he has made himself into being a tradable asset at all, Phil? Yeah, uh, I tell you, if you would have asked us a month ago, Jeremy Lin looked like he was done with the league, looked like this might be his last year. That was it. Now this man is bringing Lynn's sanity back to Atlanta. Watch that. Now all, of a sudden, now all of a sudden, I don't want them to trade him. Because now I'm thinking, well, who are we going to have as the good backup point guard if, you know? And, you know, yeah, he's going to get a lot of trade interest. But I, I, I can't see them pulling the trigger unless someone wants to throw a first round at us. Because mm-hmm. his leadership and steadiness behind Trey Young is just too valuable. If we're going to trade some vets... It's going to be Kent Bazemore. It's going to be um, Dwayne Dedman, people like that, because you just point guard is the most important position in the NBA, in my opinion. And also, when we have a rookie point guard that really struggles at times and needs a veteran and needs some leadership behind him at that position. Uh huh. 
Yeah, I uh, uh, I agree. You know, the reason that they brought him and Vince in were because they were great locker room leaders. So, you know, unless unless they're so, you know they're coming with a a proposal that's going to have some good draft picks, but I just didn't see the name, the prominent name I've seen mentioned is Orlando. Um, you know, I don't see like to start him. I guess. Yeah, you know, that's we we were talking about it at work today, and we were like, you know. <clears throat> You know what? What does Orlando want him for? You know, yeah, and that's. I guess it really didn't make any sense. I mean, they're hovering around five hundred. I think they'll have a momentum, a monumental fall off in a few weeks. Uh-huh. But I don't know. You know, there's some stupid teams out here. Yeah, I was trying to piece together who who I thought that they would, you know, that they would trade us for, you know, for him to see if I, you know, to see if I'd like it. And I really couldn't see anybody that, you know, again, you could ask me this question a month ago. I'd have been like, hey, which guy can we take? We'll take anybody other than Jeremy Lin. But now that, you know, in, in the same the same instance as, you know, Kevin, you know, his legs were starting to come back to him. The game is the, the speed of the game starting to come back to him. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden, you know, you throw John Collins in there as well, who's also starting to have the speed of the game come to him. And, you know, we're starting to see now what this team's makeup is, you know, completely now. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to talk about this, you know, next, but I think uh, – we're starting to see who may have been the problem in this rotation. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, I hate to say it, but uh, are, are we even noticing Torian Prince being gone? I have. And I don't know how, because I, I guess I've been watching Hawks game a lot stress-free, a lot more stress-free than I have, because Torian Prince. To, to, to me, the difference is the, the fast break. Yeah. But the fast break pace without Torian slowing and dragging everybody down has been fantastic. How many, I think I think we've dunked more since he's been gone than we have the entire, you know, an entire time when he was there. So, um, you know, it is uh, you know, it's going to be be interesting as far as uh, what what how many minutes he'll get when he comes back. I'm not sure how many more, how many more games he's going to be out, but um, hopefully more. It feels like, <laughs> oh, it feels like it's been, <laughs> with all due respect to Torian Prince, he just, he drives me crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. He takes some really ill-advised shots. He, he just, he's a, well, t- then he misses, he, he misses the ones that that aren't ill advised. He misses the easy layups. He was the worst last year in I think layup percentage. And uh, so, oh, look who decided to join us again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I I expected a lot more from him this season, and not even like numbers wise, just. He's making some of the same mistakes that he was making his rookie year, and they're just really low basketball IQ mistakes that you shouldn't be making your third year in the league when you're expected to be. I mean, a lot of people expect him to lead this uh, team in scoring this year. I think he could be. I think he could be a guy that's packaged with a veteran to go to during the at the trade deadline to go somewhere else. Um, and it's just amazing to think that, you know, because when he was when he was drafted, I was just as excited about that draft pick as I as I was for Collins. 
Um, and so I thought he would be an impact player for us. Uh, I wasn't as sold on Bembry, and now it seems to me that Bembry could be the better of the two, you know, I, and I, w- I could have never have said that last year. But I want to I want to go back to Derek and ask you about uh, – I know you wanted to chime in about Jeremy Lin, but do you think rumors of Jeremy Lin being on the tr- – or with rumors of Jeremy Lin being on the trade block, how amazing is it that in a month he has made himself into being tradable? Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, at first I'd, I'd be the first one to say, I mean, go ahead and trade Lin for anything you could get. But now, I mean, he's turned into a great backup point guard. And, I mean, at some time he looks better than – I mean, obviously he's not better than – but he looks – he plays better than uh, Trey Young, which helps the team out more. And, I mean, he's a good mentor, you can just tell, on the court and off the court. And, I mean, I don't I don't think it's necessary to trade him. And I don't think we're really looking to trade him because – of what we're going to get back. I mean, we still need a backup point guard, and I think he plays that uh, role perfectly for the team, especially this young team. And I just don't think it's necessary, and I don't see us doing it unless there's just an offer that we cannot decline. Yeah, uh, Doug over on YouTube, he says that Prince probably going to get traded to the Bucks since Bud loves him and drafted him. So that you know that that could definitely be that could be an option. Send him and Baysmore to to Milwaukee and. Uh, We'll just take Giannis. I mean, you know, that seems like a fair trade, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greek freak for those two any day, right? <laughs> I just – I can't – They they're so loaded that they probably have – you know, I don't know who their backup point guard is, but, uh, you know. George. I can't – But it might be this. I can't see. Again, going back to leadership qualities alone – Again, that's why you brought in Jeremy Lin. That's why you brought in Vince Carter. Those two alone were brought in to keep the spirits of a young rebuilding team up right. and essentially essentially act as your assistant coaches. And we have a rookie coach too. So that uh-huh. in the locker room, I'm sure he doesn't have full command of the locker room at all times. Yeah, uh-huh. And you know, uh more more so on the Vince Carter side where he is He's even come out and said that Vince Carter is going to be a head coach in the league one day. Um, he just has that, you know, he has that in him to uh, to a, just naturally coach guys. And where he, you know, he's like, I, I consider him to be a player coach on the team. And so, um, and, and Jeremy Lin is great too because he's got the he's got the same type of quick pass skills that Trey has. And so him working with Trey on more accurate passes, you know, lessening the turnovers and stuff like that, um, that's that's only going to be beneficial. You bring in – if we trade them and we have to bring in a rookie, you don't have Trey learning from anybody. Trey will be teaching someone, and I just don't think in the first year that that'd be a, that'll be beneficial to uh, to uh, Trey at all. So, But are you, uh, are you noticing the absence of Torian, Derek? I mean, not. Re- I mean, not really. I mean, from he he doesn't add a lot. He hasn't added a lot this season, so mm-hmm. I don't think that he's. I don't think the absence of him is really mean much to the team. I mean, we're actually playing better basketball now. I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. The, I like I said the pace. The pace of the game is just has just improved so much, but. Uh, What's uh, your Christmas wish for the Hawks, Phil? Um, to just 
and a little bit of consistency, especially on the defensive end. I mean, we're we're giving up 119 per, which is two full points behind the uh, the second to last team. That it it's worse. It sounds worse than it is because we play the fastest pace, which naturally means more possessions. But it's just ugly to look at when I'm looking at my stat my stat sheet. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. What do you think? Uh, what's your Christmas wish for the Hawks, Derek? Uh, that they keep on competing. Uh, never take their foot off the gas. I mean, just keep playing hard against any team. And hopefully Trey, uh, another Christmas wish is uh, Trey Young starts to shoot the three ball better at a better rate. Because it sucks seeing him struggle from his specialty coming into the league uh, this early part of the season. Yeah, um, for me, my Christmas wish for the Hawks is um, I, I just want to see them compete again. Uh, they're the they've been exciting to me to watch, even in blowout games, to see them competing all the way to the end, and I want that to continue because there is still going to be some bad losses. Um, you know, it's just it's just how it's you know going to happen. We're we're still not a complete team, but you know, again, with your mix of veterans they have. The, the coaches, um, I just don't think that they're going to let themselves, you know, get to that point where, where they just give up, you know. And so it's going to be, you know, a, a, whole, a good finish to the season. This, like I said, this game for Washington kind of rejuvenated me as a fan to, um, to, to see what, what a game is like when you put together a stretch in that fourth quarter like that. Uh, so, you know, we're – we have to wait and see, and you know, that's going to be a lot of good things coming with that, especially with the draft. Um, you know, we'll this year for the draft, we're actually going to go live at the draft and have our own little draft party where you guys can come and hang out with us. We'll we'll kind of go over, discuss the picks and stuff like that. We're talking about doing that for the NFL draft as well. Um, you know, that way you guys can participate kind of boo or yay the picks that the Falcons and the Hawks pick up, you know, um, and, uh, you know, while you listen to us analyze you know, who, who we get and stuff like that, and we'll give our opinions like it means anything, but, uh, <laughs> but that's something new we're really going to try because now's the time to do it. You know, again, with the Falcons having a high pick, the Hawks having two picks that could be, you know, very valuable picks, um, you know, Losing now could lead to winning in the future. So we, we just saw it with the Braves. So that's a one really good thing about it is you've seen what a rebuild can do to a, to a young team. And so that's what I'm hoping. I, I essentially want the same the same style for the Hawks that the Braves went through. I'll take I'll take losing seasons if it's gonna improve us quicker and give us a chance at getting to the playoffs and being a respectable playoff team than to just uh, go to the playoffs and know that we're never going to go any further than, you know, that one, that one miracle year where we went to the Eastern conference finals, but really essentially we were just a, a second round, you know, a second round playoff team that, you know, was never going to go any further. So, you know, it, it was, you know, the future's bright. Just stay patient with them as a Hawks fan. I know it's rough. So, but uh, let's uh, get into some uh, Christmas fun now. Uh, you know, in honor, we usually do buy, sell in this segment. But I threw this out in YouTube as well for those that are uh, that are watching with us. Uh, feel free to answer. I'll come back and look through there as we, we go along. But, Phil, 
What is your favorite Christmas movie? Uh oh, what's that movie? Um you know, with a with the family, was it Christmas with the Cranks or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> Every Christmas movie is about a family, Phil. You gotta be a there's, there's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. There's Christmas with the Cranks was one of them. You know who was in it? That one. The one with what? Tim Allen? Yeah, the girl went away for the for the uh to college and they thought she wasn't gonna come back for, for Christmas. Yeah, that was Christmas with the Cranks. That's that's a pretty funny one. I do I do like that one. Uh Derek, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, I'm going to have to go a classic route. I mean, I think I'm going to just go ahead and say A Christmas Story is probably my all-time favorite, but it's a close second with uh, The Christmas Vacation. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm about to make myself very unpopular in here. I hate National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I don't think that, mo that movie is funny at all. Number one for me... It's a Christmas story. Just, I mean, it's it's on all the time on Christmas Eve. I don't, I don't think. I think uh, I want to say that she maybe she can verify this in chat, but I think my wife has never seen the whole the whole movie of of a Christmas story. Isn't that isn't that like isn't that like un-American? You know, I literally like, have you watched seen it. it? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I can tell you one thing about it. What? You don't know the Red Ryder BB gun? Come on, man. I'm not a movie guy. I'm terrible at movies. I don't even know a lot of the classics. I literally watch it probably two, at least two times on Christmas Eve night because they had that little marathon going on. And I would sit there and just watch it, have it on the TV. Yeah, um, to me, uh, my second favorite is Die Hard. I know people say this like, ah, oh, that a Christmas movie? It's so, not. We'll get we'll 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 go back to the next thing. But do you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, Derek? No, it's not even close to a Christmas movie. Bill, you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Ah, uh, you can't. It's not Christmas just because it's set in the winter. But a lot of people yeah, say that's yeah, like that. <laughs> but uh, um, oh my my wife says her favorite are Christmas Vacation and Home Alone. And then she said, that's your other wife. She's seen a Christmas story numerous times. So. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. I thought she said she had never seen it. But she always makes me watch A Christmas Vacation every year. And I'm like, it's like the biggest boredom of an hour and a half ever. So and I've seen Christmas with the Cranks about 800 times because of her, too. So, But I, I do like Home Alone. Do you, do you guys like Home Alone? That's up there. That's, that's probably top five. Yeah, that's that's a good one. They he just put out a, he just put out a commercial for Google. You guys got to check it out. It's pretty I funny. Think, yeah. you know? But yeah, that so the we'll we'll go with uh, I have to say. Oh, Doug says Home Alone and Die Hard. He knows he knows Die Hard's a Christmas movie. So <laughs> <laughs> that truly has nothing to do with Christmas other than the setting. So. so yeah, it's literally just when it was when they decided to uh, do the scenes. Was yeah, I don't know, man. All right, what's your favorite Christmas song, Phil? Oh my god, I hate Christmas music. I, 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 I could just tell that Phil was gonna say that. Five years of tail during Christmas, 
makes you hate Christmas music because you hear it from like October until now. <laughs> it gets earlier and earlier every year now. It used to be like I can mention them by name. Five Below, they don't play like the regular renditions. They play uh-huh. the cheesy teenager renditions and they're just awful. So like last year, uh, y'all know that Christmas that that song last Christmas I gave you my heart. Uh-huh. They, oh wow! <laughs> they had about ten different renditions in their rotation, so I kept track. I heard it over a hundred times last Christmas. <laughs> the song. And it just made me want to. <laughs> Bill, start, Bill started singing along with George Michael every year. Oh, but there's, <laughs> uh, that, I don't I don't know the name of it, but. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to sing it. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you gonna sing it for us? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> What's your favorite song, Derek? Oh, uh, no doubt. Uh, my favorite. While just growing up, um, Santa Claus is coming to town by the Jackson Five. That's a really good one. I I would have never thought of that, but you bring it up. That is a really right. good one. That's no doubt my favorite. Now I'm now I'm gonna have to plug it in to plug it in tomorrow and listen to it because it's been a long time. You, on the Pandora station, it's always like Sinatra and all the older guys. But you know, uh, I was uh, the wife and I. We took a trip to Alabama, and she had never heard um, Death Row's Christmas album. So, have you guys ever heard Death Row's Christmas album? Look it up. It's <laughs> if you ever wanted to hear Snoop Dogg singing Christmas songs. Actually, no, I have heard that. They play it on Pandora all the time. Yeah, they, I think they, they have play like Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, they the do. Ghetto. The big one that, yeah. they, uh, that they do was him and um, uh, what's the uh, the one guy, uh, Nate Dogg. Nate Dogg, he, yeah. he's in it and stuff. And yeah, that's the main one that they play, but the whole album is freaking hilarious. But I've never sat there and just listened through, but I've heard it on Pandora. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. The, um, uh, Oh, my wife says people who jam Christmas music right after Halloween through the new year are the worst. But she said <laughs> nothing says nothing says Christmas like Snoop Dogg. So but I she's gonna she'll call me a liar if I don't say this. My favorite Christmas song is Dick in a Box. <laughs> Every year I gotta play it and she's like, You gotta sing it, you gotta sing it. And she, she makes me sing it, and it's hilarious. But uh, that one, and there's one on that was played on. Well, actually, they both were played on. They were played on Saturday Night Live. But it's a Christmas time is here. It always makes me laugh every single time I heard it. Traditional wise, um, I, I like the classics. I mean, I I like uh, you know the older older style Christmas songs, stuff that remind me of when I was a kid. You know, because I'm old. So you know, I like that. I like that Sinatra. I like that kind of stuff. Um, Bing Crosby and all that. You probably don't even know who those guys are, but you know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I know I've heard them, but you know. But uh, so I don't really, I, I don't really listen to much of new stuff. Any um, that Mariah Carey songs up there, I really like that. Um, that's, that's it there for that's, sure. So, but she could sing anything. I mean, she's she's really good. So, um, what is your favorite Christmas cartoon? Like something they show. You know the specials and stuff all all year long. So your favorite Christmas cartoon, Phil? Uh, <laughs> um, 
SpongeBob, that one episode, I don't know, Charlie Brown and the Cooking Stir. Yeah, Charlie Brown's a good one. I mean, that's always a classic, you know. Derek, what's your favorite? Much TV or, or listen to much Oh, man. Uh, I just have to go ahead and say the Grinch. The Grinch is a good one, too. Man, you think of ones that I always forget about. For me, again, I'm going old school with what I saw as a kid, and that was like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, and Frosty the Snowman cartoons. Those were always, those were always my favorite. Uh, they, were, they were played every year, kind of like the Christmas story was. So, you know, I... I've seen them all, uh, all a hundred times. Uh, I'd say I Doug, like all of them. Sarah says, my wife, she says Charlie Brown. And then Doug says class of 3000 Christmas special and the Mickey Mouse Christmas special, which is always good where he does like the, um, where, uh, Oh, what is that? Where he Ebenezer Scrooge, like the night before Christmas. That's always a good one too. Um, that one. Have you seen that one before? I don't think I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm -hmm. It's actually it's actually I mean it's it's Mickey Mouse. I mean it's exciting as oh, Mickey yeah. Mouse can be, but you know it's uh, it's one of the one of the better ones. But you said uh, favorite what it says twelve ghetto days of Christmas and Sprite Cranberry by LeBron were his two favorite Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah said Rudolph is boring. There I said it. Come at me, reindeer. <laughs> Oh man, we, we got to do this more participation thing on YouTube. <laughs> Favorite type of candy to get in your stocking, Phil? I'm not a big candy guy. Damn. Oh my God. On I don't know you. What are you? You're boring, dude. I'm kicking you off the show. Good boy. Uh, I mean, I get, I mean I'll, I'll eat a candy cane you know, or like some Smarties or Starburst, something like that. A, a little bit of chocolate. I'm an ice cream guy. This guy, this guy wants this guy wants a wants a biography, and all his biography would be like, "I was born, I did nothing because I'm boring." The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like ice cream too. So mad props for ice cream. But Derek, what kind of candy did you like to get in the stocking? Uh, the little uh, the little Reese uh, trees, the little trees. I'm the best yeah. one by far. Oh, yeah, man. Anything, anything Reese's. My dad said his favorite song was White Christmas by Bing Crosby. You know, like I said, that's that's what we listened to when we were younger. So Sarah says Phil doesn't watch movies and doesn't eat candy. Dude. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, it's like I thought I knew the guy, but I don't. You know, obviously, obviously me and Derek are the exciting ones on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> My favorite type of candy get anything Reese's. Uh, I love Reese's peanut butter. So, you know, hit Aunt Sarah, load my stocking up with lots of Reese's. Uh, the other thing I like too is uh, actually gobstoppers. I've always been a big fan of gobstoppers. So I like getting those in there too. So Sarah, you need to go to five below and pick me up some candy. I know, I know a guy that can tell you where to go. <laughs> I took her there and I told her that, you know, that that was like, yeah, you used to work there. Now that's like her favorite store. I used to run that place. <laughs> <laughs> now that's her favorite store. She thinks that's the greatest thing ever. Doug says, Doug says Kit Kat and Butterfingers. 
Man, I'm not a big Kit Kat guy, Doug. I for some reason I I don't really like 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 rice wafer kind of candy. So like I don't like I don't like uh uh what is that? Um Nestle Crunch. I don't really like Nestle Crunch. Um but Butterfinger's good. Any, anything, anything peanut butter. So but uh we'll end it with what is your favorite Christmas present of all time? Um, I yeah, you I, go ahead. Say who's supposed to answer. When I was like four or five, I got this big model train set. You know, I've always been into model stuff either. Like I used to have a whole bunch of Hot Wheels sets. I'd make like a whole city. Uh, you know, that's, that's the inner civil engineer in me. And I had a big, I had a big model train set in, in, at my old house back in uh, back up north. We had a, we had a full, we had a full like model city going on down there. So that's definitely, that's definitely one of them. And then this year, uh, I gotta, I gotta say, Atlanta United Championship was was a was a great Christmas present. And of course, graduating was a big Christmas present. I'm wrapping all those up. That's a that's a Christmas present to me this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Derek, what's your favorite Christmas present of all time? Mm. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to just have to go ahead and go with when it was back when Michael Vick started to get uh, popular. Um, I got a jersey of his. So I'd say that's probably one of my most memorable Christmas gifts. Yeah, that that you know, I, I'm a big fan. I I collect jerseys, so that was, those are always cool gifts to me. So any, anytime I get that, uh, mine mine is a uh, a twofold. Uh, one is my when my mom and dad got me the original Nintendo, because back then, man, it was expensive to get one of those things, and you know we we didn't have a ton of money, so. It was, you know, to have that show up on Christmas. And they, we got the premiere edition. It came, it came with this. Uh, it was like a power pad thing where you, you ran on it. And, and as you can see, I clearly did not run on it very much. So I, I wasn't very good at track and field on that game. Uh, I didn't quite have the fastest hundred yard dash time. I mean, I know you would have never thought that after seeing me, but you know. <laughs> what's it? What's that? Thought you were a track league. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm sure I broke some Nintendo records on that thing, but I don't want to brag about it. But uh, that, uh, you know, they came with, I think, Duck Hunt and the Mario Brothers. And so that was cool. You know, my my brother and I, we played on that thing for many, many, many years. And one of my favorite video games of all time is Super Tech Mobile Football. So and that was on the Nintendo system. So but that one and then um, my wife, she got me. I'm, I'm a huge Chipper Jones fan, Dale Murphy and Chipper Jones are my favorite baseball players of all time. She got me a, it's a bat and uh, it has all of his career stats on it. And uh, um, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, that's, it hangs up in my memorabilia room. It's one of my favorite pieces in there. So, um, so I would say those, those two, but uh, let's see if uh, anybody's answering here in YouTube. If not, I got to tell you this quick story. We are talking about, we are talking about uh, favorite music and, and Snoop Dogg and stuff like that. And when I was younger, and I've always, I've always been a fan of rap and hip hop, even growing up and stuff like that. My, my favorite singer is Michael Jackson. So 
Yeah, uh, and so I've always been a fan, and I love Snoop Dogg. It's just always been one of my favorites. And my dad came home one day, and you know, and I'm young and naive, and he's like, "Oh, Snoop, Snoop used to be our mailman because he worked at the shipyard." And he was like, "Oh, Snoop was was our mailman at the shipyard," and he had me believing for like two years that Snoop was the mailman at the shipyard before he became a famous rapper, and. So <laughs> I was convinced. He was like, I was like, I, I'll tell him, like, hey, can you give me an autograph? Can you give me an autograph? And then when I was old enough to realize that that would have never happened, I felt so stupid. But he's talking about it in chat, so I had to, I had to tell the story of how, uh, um, you know, how my dad worked with Snoop Dogg for two years before he became a famous rapper. <laughs> I was dumb. What can I say? But. My my dad he says the my mom she likes those uh those little chocolate balls that are wrapped up in the aluminum foil thing. You ever you guys ever get those? Yeah, I don't like those. Yeah. I don't like them. That was always the stuff at the bottom that you kind of left there for the egg. And then next year when you brought the stocking out, they were still sitting there on the bottom of the <laughs> of the stocking and you forgot to take them out. So but uh you know, that's uh, pretty much all we got for the day. I don't think anybody else is answering on a on a favorite Christmas present. So uh, let's do some ending shout outs. Phil, who you shout out, man? If you shout out yourself, I'm banning you from the show. <laughs> well, I guess I got to shout out everybody because it's my last time on the show. <laughs> I want to shout out... Uh, Jansen Harris of the Just Good Network and Sean Fowler, too, for being on cameraman yesterday, uh, for letting me come on their show yesterday. That was a new experience to me. And uh, <laughs> Hey, Phil, real quick, tell them where they can follow Jansen, because we're, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of work with him in the near follow, future. Uh, follow him at... Definitely follow them at Just Good Network on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Jansen on Twitter at Media Jansen. Uh, real good guy doing a lot of good things in Atlanta, trying to get his sports show going. Was nice enough to let me come on there yesterday and do something I've never done before, which was like live, uh, not live, but recorded. Like his digital, his digital media is something. Yeah, it is great. Uh huh. It is very, it's very entertaining. Um, Phil and I had him on the radio show with us on Sunday and, you know, he's just a very well-spoken young man, you know, and I, I, I really enjoyed him. He, he ran a little bit late because of traffic, but you know, we got him in there and boy, he just dominates the show, you know, and I, we got done with it. And I was like, yeah, we're definitely working with him a lot more. So thankfully it wasn't live because I'd say that first cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry to interrupt. So after Jansen, go ahead. Oh, uh, shout out to just everybody, everybody listening. Uh, let's see, we got a grand total of, uh, well, doesn't look like anybody from our site is there, but shout out to us, we're here. But thanks to, thanks to everybody who's in the chat and everybody listening. So shout out to all y'all. We couldn't do it without y'all. We wouldn't do it without y'all because there wouldn't be no point in doing it. But uh, <laughs> shout out Before to support it every single step of the way. Before we go to Derek real quick, I just want to say a couple of the guys, Doug said he, his favorite Christmas present was the PS2 with Spider-Man. And then my dad, you know, the, the old guy he is, says the Sears Mini Bike with the 3.5 horsepower engine was the, the best present he got. So, but Derek, who are you shouting out? 
I'm going to shout out everybody that's uh, listening to us and that continue to listen to us every week. Oh, shout out to Shari. He's here. <laughs> yeah, to Shari. He's on there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, shout out everybody that's watching, man. And I hope you all have a great Christmas Tuesday. Yeah, I got a few more uh, shout out friends and family. Anybody traveling, you know, traveling for the holidays, be safe out there. There's a lot of people out there. They don't want to see any accidents or anything like that. So everybody be safe. Definitely, definitely. Be careful out there. Traffic today in Atlanta was miserable already. So um, it was a wet, rainy, and a lot of people traveling. So um, I got a, I got kind of a special thing. You know, um, fortunately, Tuesday night, my hometown was hit by a devastating tornado. Um, and it was a, a F2 tornado, destroyed a lot of homes. Um, and so I want to shout out my hometown because it's a real small community. Uh, it's called Port Orchard, Washington is where it is. Um, it's only the second F2 tornado to ever hit Washington um, and uh, caught a lot of people off guard. There's a lot of families that don't have homes now uh, for Christmas. Uh, I hate I hate seeing this kind of thing happen near the holidays. Uh, luckily, my parents' house went unscathed. The neighborhood literally right behind them is what got hit really hard. Um, and so, uh, you know, a shout out to the community to come in together um, I do think that being being ready for a major earthquake to happen there may have helped with the emergency response of a tornado. We have, you know, we get a lot of uh, a lot of earthquakes there. So, um, but at the whole community got together, you know, making sure people had places to stay, you know, things to eat and stuff like that. So, just shout out to my hometown and all my friends and family there. Anybody that was affected. You know, I just I hope you guys, you know, have a Merry Christmas and stuff like that. And I and that goes for everybody too. I want you all to have a Merry Christmas and you know, we'll uh uh we'll be back next week, I'm sure. We're gonna have a special New Year's uh New Year's edition where we're just gonna drink a lot of champagne and then come on and try and do the show. So <laughs> it'll be the drunk New Year's edition of the show. What do you guys say? Is that what we wanna do? You know, we'll just pretend like it's New Year's Eve and Countdown to midnight. <laughs> uh, we'll end it at that. Thanks, thanks for listening to the ATL Sports HQ live podcast, guys. We'll see you next week.